0: I really want to zero in tonight, I've, I've been thinking truthfully, what would, what would be a good message to bring to married couples tonight that would be beneficial for you, that would be a blessing uh, to each of us, and obviously to us collectively, and um, especially with a wonderful theme like lasting love, which is what uh, you guys came up with, lasting love, uh, which of, of course speaks to the desire, Right? that our marriages would be characterized by this enduring and thriving kind of love. We don't just want to survive in marriage. We want to be, have marriages that are thriving in Christ. And so, you know, I've, I thought, you know what? Maybe a, a message on communication would be good. And I'm sure, how many of you guys have achieved perfection in the area of communication? <laughs> Liars! Liar, brother! <laughs> Everybody needs help in communication, right? So that would have been a great message to bring on communication. What about on better listening? How many of us need help in the area of listening? That's right. Yep. Everybody should have both hands and feet, right? Raised up. So that would have been a wonderful message to bring. How about you, ladies? A message I thought, you know, maybe I should do a message on sensitivity. And all of a sudden, they're getting uneasy, right? Oh, brother, don't don't go there. Or maybe a message on tenderness. And how much husbands need to be more tender and more sensitive? We could have done a message on that. Or, man, how about this? Maybe a message on more affection. More intimacy for my wife. Right? So maybe we're kind of looking down. Come on, it's in the Bible, right? It's in the Bible, so? The Bible speaks about intimacy. That would have been a very profitable message to bring, and maybe in the future we will. By the way, Sunday mornings, okay? if you're visiting with us, Sunday mornings... After one, uh, in the between both services that we have, we're actually doing a marriage one-on-one class. And we're going to be talking about all of those things, even practically what those things look like in a marriage. So we'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. So all of those topics and others would have been absolutely worthwhile, uh, brethren and friends, for us to talk about tonight. But you know what? All of those and many others have one common denominator. Anybody know what that common denominator is? I think somebody said it, all of these flow from a heart of fervent love for one another, right? All of those, communication, listening, intimacy, etc. They flow from a a heart of love for your spouse. That's what fuels those areas of of our marriages so that they thrive. Love is the driver of all of those. So I do want to talk about love tonight, but I want to take it a step further. I want to take it a step deeper, if you will. Because there's something more important than loving our spouse that we should be thinking about and really pondering tonight, even later on as we have conversations together as couples, right? And so I want to consider this tonight. I want to put put up a verse right behind me. My brother's going to help me with that 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 3, okay? And I'm going to read from verse 2, but 2 Corinthians 11, 2 and 3. Listen to Paul's loving words. He's a shepherd who ministered amongst the Corinthian church. So this is uh, him writing to them. And he says in verse 2, For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. Why? For I betrothed you to one husband. And who is the one husband? He's speaking metaphorically here. Figuratively. So that to Christ, I might present you as a pure virgin. That's obviously figurative language there. He's talking about Christ and the church. Christ and the church, Paul says, as a spiritual father... I am responsible by God's grace to lead you to Christ. But then he says in verse 3 But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Listen to what Paul is saying there. In my ministry to you, my ministry consisted of leading you to Jesus, to this intimate, faithful, exclusive relationship to Him. That was my job. That was my calling. And in essence, what he goes on to say, and he has said it before this particular text, is I'm quite concerned. He's quite concerned about these Corinthian believers. Now there's a lot that he says in the whole letter of Second Corinthians, but in verse 3 there, he really gets to the heart of his concern. To the heart of the matter. And did you notice in verse 3 the names that he brings up? Eve, right? The serpent, who we know in other parts of Scripture to have been Satan, the devil, right? Lucifer, if you will. He brings up those names. What do those names bring to mind right away? The beginning, right? The beginning, the Genesis account. Right away, our thoughts are immediately transported to Genesis chapter 3, and even the earlier chapters of Genesis, and the first marriage, and then Genesis chapter 3, where everything became Wrong. Everything from there took off and spiraled downward as far as mankind is concerned and the fall of man. And if you recall that account, the woman is deceived by the serpent who is really Satan, right? And then she and her husband both turned their back on God. Both of them committed mutiny against their Maker, their Creator, who had given them full liberty, full freedom in the Garden of Eden, and yet He had given one restriction and what happened? The serpent tricks Eve and the men and they both forget about God's love and God's goodness and God's kindness. Right? And their rebellion. They actually chose... Listen to this. We don't have to think about the fall of men in this way, but they actually chose the lesser gift than God's best gift for them. Right? They chose something less than God's best for them. And there's a... Timeless principle here that I want us to think about. And I want you to see it. Paul is drawing from the first sin, right? And saying, hey guys, I'm so afraid that this is exactly what is happening to you guys. I'm so afraid that you are also being deceived and, and tricked so that your heart is divided. So that you are duplicitous, double-minded as far as your devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. I love one paraphrase of this account where the writer says this. It says if Paul is saying, you remember the old but true story about the snake tricking Eve? Well, I am afraid that you will be like that. Someone will trick you and then you will abandon your true and complete love for Christ. I don't want you to be tricked. I don't want you to be enticed and seduced in the same way. Why do we go to this text tonight? As we think about marriage and as we celebrate marriage, you say, Pastor Kempis, what's your point? My point is this. This can happen to each of us. What verse 3 describes. It's really a caution and a warning to each of us. And here's the loving caution. It is this. Your greatest need as a spouse for your spouse and for the glory of Christ is to have a thriving, single-minded devotion to the Lord Jesus. Brethren and friends, this is the biggest need that we have in our marriage. We can talk about communication, we can talk about listening, intimacy, everything, and those things are absolutely worthwhile talking about. But all of those flow from and are fueled by your relationship to Jesus. And if that right there is... Neglected. We even heard it here tonight, didn't we? Somebody said something about their love for Christ. And that is the biggest thing that we can appreciate in one another when we we are yielding ourselves to the will of God. It's because we are actually pursuing the Lord Jesus Christ fully devoted and undivided. That word sincerity there in verse 3, it means just that. It means singleness of purpose. Wholeness of devotion. Undivided of heart. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about the fact that we ought to have no rivals who are competing for, our, for allegiance in our hearts. Jesus is to be the unrivaled Lord and boss of our internal life, inner life, our hearts. And purity there has to do with devotion that is faithful, that is exclusive. It's a morally upright kind of devotion. You say, Pastor Kemp, is what What does this have to do with my marriage? Brethren, it has to do everything with your marriage. Everything. I can tell you right now, in years of just spending time with people and couples, that this is the one thing that is often so neglected in a marriage. And the, the one thing that is often overlooked. We just assume it. That we're walking with Christ the way that we should. And eventually it begins to show in our relationship with one another, with our spouse, that we are not walking closely to Christ as we should. Everything in your marriage flows from and is fueled by your relationship and your devotion to Jesus. Brothers and sisters and friends, all of our marriage issues, think about this big issues, small issues. Issues with a little i and issues with a big i find their source in the existence of a fervent devotion to the Lord. It really is true. You ask, what what does this devotion to Christ involve? What does it involve? I think it involves primarily two things, and you can hang so many things on these particular points, but it involves a proactive, ongoing pursuit of Jesus in your life. Making your time with Christ a priority. Oftentimes, the Christian life and weaknesses in our lives come down to just that, right? Misplaced priorities, even good things that we pursue in life are profitable things and all of that, but if we begin to neglect our relationship with Jesus, then it's a misplaced priority. And so we need to think about that. right? This, this ongoing daily walk with Christ, which involves two things. Listening and speaking. Listening to God daily. Taking, a, a, taking in a daily stay, a steady diet of God's Word so that you're sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to His Word every day. We don't come to Christ for us to minister to Jesus. Every single day, brothers and sisters and friends, we come to Christ and we should come to Christ to be ministered by Him so that He fills us. This involves also speaking to God daily in prayer, right? But it's not just prayer and meaningless repetition. It's when you and I come to the throne of grace every day in prayer, and there's this this sense of self-abandonment say, I don't need to pretend anything before my Heavenly Father. You know, I'm struggling as a young wife. As a mother. I don't need to pretend with my Heavenly Father. I'm going to come in with fullness of self-abandonment. I'm going to pour out my heart to God in prayer. He knows your heart, right? That's what we're talking about, devotion. Listen, why is it important for us to be pursuing God, listening to Him by way of going into His Word and meditating upon His Word and speaking to Him in prayer because we cannot be in tune with what's going on in the heart of our spouse. Ladies, in the heart of your husband. Husbands, in the heart of your wives. We can't be in tune with what's going on in the heart of our spouse and be able to process those things that they share in a Christ-like way if we're not in tune with the heart of God. You ever experienced that? If you're not walking with Christ the way that you should, even if your spouse does open up to you and they share their struggles with you and their concerns with you, you're not processing them through the lenses of of God's heart, right? Having uh, lenses of faith, so to speak. To know that God wants you to to respond in a godly fashion. That's so important. So often we have issues or concerns with our spouse, but the last person that we go to is the Father. And yet the Father knows best the heart of your husband, ladies. He knows. The Father knows best the heart of your wife, husbands. So go to Him. Be with Him. Go to His throne of grace. You know, people ask, does prayer change things? Does prayer change things? What's the answer to that? Yes! And you know where change begins when we are devoting ourselves to prayer as husbands and wives? God changes you first. Changes me first. He realigns us to His will. That's where change begins right there. So does prayer change things? Absolutely. And it be- He begins by changing us when we are seeking His face. Our marriages will only be as strong as our relationship with God. Do you remember what Jesus said to His to his followers in John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5, to his disciples the, the night of his betrayal, when they're already sort of, you know, they don't know what to think, they're in turmoil inwardly, they're, 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 their Lord is going to go to the cross. And Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you, which means to remain in an ongoing vital relationship with me, keep abiding in me, he says, continually. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in Me. And then Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in Me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from Me, you can do a few things. Is that what He says, brethren? Friends? He said, apart from Me, you can do what? Not one thing, says the original. Not one thing. Not one single thing, John chapter 15, verses 4 through 5. So, devotion to Christ involves this ongoing, passionate pursuit of Jesus every single day. Because you know that your spiritual vitality depends upon it, and you know that it's going to impact your marriage. It's the best gift that you can give your spouse. I guarantee it. I stake my life on it, brothers and sisters and friends. That this is the best gift that you can give your spouse. A thriving, passionate, devoted relationship with Jesus, cultivating that, seeking that, even in your weakness. I think the other thing, too, is devotion to Christ also involves living in submission to Him and to His Word. It involves submission, it involves obedience, in other words. Listen, there are commands for us to follow in God's Word, but I think what people often forget is this don't forget that those commands are there for a reason. And they're there for you and I to follow them, even with relation to our marriages. They're there for us to follow them so that God may be glorified and ready for this, so that God may bless you. Does God want to bless us? Yes. And so His commandments are not burdensome. And the Bible says, men, listen to your wives. Live with them in an understanding way. In other words, according to knowledge. He wants to bless you, husband, if you follow that. Ladies, if the Word of God says love your family, love your husbands, submit to them, lovingly arrange yourself under them, even when they're not treating you the way that they should, right? You can speak the truth in love, but you follow that. God wants to bless you, wives. We often forget this, right? It's like like getting angry at the police officer for giving you a ticket for going 25 miles over. You know what I mean? But why is, the, why is the, the, the rule there a speed limit? Because they don't want you to end up killing yourself and killing other people. The rules are there for a particular reason. How much more when it comes to our Heavenly Father? He's given us commands to obey for His glory and for our good. But make no mistake about it, He is boss, right? He is boss. And He must be obeyed. So think about this. An unrivaled and undivided devotion to Jesus is super crucial for our marriages. And just consider the impact or the influence of prioritizing that relationship. Let me give you some examples. Suppose there's a decision-making disagreement that you and your wife have. I know you guys have never had that, but Andre and I have, right? You disagree on the finances or a decision that's connected to the money or the finances, right? Right? If you are walking with Jesus and you're submitting yourself to His will and to His Word, then the nature of the disagreement won't be how can I get my way in this disagreement? Right? Wife, how can I get my way? Husband, how can I get my way? Instead, it will be this. What does our Lord Jesus say in His Word about the way that we ought to use God's resources and steward God's money? So that we are blessed, we need to follow His Word, right? In the area of financial decisions. It won't be, well, You know, I have my account and he's got his. So however he uses his money, he uses his money, however I use my money. No, you're going to look to Christ and His Word and remember that you are one and that there is no such thing as two accounts. That's sinful rebellion against the Lord to be actually having two financial accounts. You're one. You're called to function as one in all areas of life, right? And so the issue will be, how could we be good stewards of the money that belongs to God and He has loaned us that money? Right? One of you offends or sins against the other. The question won't be, how can I get even? Right? Or how could he or she have done this to me again? I don't even know how I'm going to let this go. This, this is the last straw. You know what I'm saying? That won't be the issue. If you're submitted to Christ... Then this won't be tolerated in your life, unforgiveness. Instead, you know what you're going to do? If you're following Christ, you're devoting yourself to Christ, you're going to return to the foot of the cross, right? When there's unforgiveness, when there's offenses, your direction, and you're going to linger there at the foot of the cross. And you're going to get on your hands and knees figuratively speaking, at the foot of the cross. And you're going to remember how lavishly God has forgiven you in Jesus, and you will be ready and eager to forgive your spouse. That's what devotion to Christ looks like in our marriages. That's what submission to Christ and His Word looks like in our marriages. It's very practical stuff, isn't it? Here's another. When you're abiding in Christ, you will be satisfied in Him. Your satisfaction will be in Jesus alone, right? Because your spouse wasn't created to fully satisfy you. (laughs) Shocker, right? Now, husbands, don't admit to that right now, right? But the goal of marriage is not full satisfaction in all areas of life. I'm going to be happy and there's never going to be any disappointments, never any unmet expectations. Eh, That's wrong, right? The only one who can fill you and who can fulfill you is Christ and Christ alone. Jesus, your flesh may want to escape to things like drugs, drinking, pornography, even some good things, but you will re- recognize if you're pursuing Jesus that you're merely looking for those things to fill an empty void that only Jesus can fill. All of us can attest to that, yes? I remember prior to 18 years old, brethren and friends, when before God saved me at the age of 18, I was, I was going to all these escapes because God has created us to be worship creatures. That's how He's created us. So if we're not worshiping Jesus, we're going to be worshiping something else. It's not an issue of whether you are worshiping, it's what are you worshiping? So when we're not being satisfied in Christ, we're going to pursue satisfaction in other areas. Substance abuse. You know, even good things can become that. Even hobbies can become idols in our lives. They'll be so careful. But when you're satisfied in Christ you'll be able to say, you know what? Christ is enough. I don't have everything that I thought I would have at this time in life. Unmet expectations. There are many things that I wish I I could grow in and I'm weak in different areas, but you know what? Christ is enough. He satisfies me daily. I don't need those things. I don't need junk food from the world, figuratively speaking. I have the main course, and His name is Jesus. Amen? That's what we want to be about. This is the best gift that you can give your spouse. And that even tonight you can commit yourself to. There are other implications for cultivating this thriving relationship with Jesus. But again, all of these flow from and are fueled by your devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. In closing, may I add one? An undivided, undistracted, and unrivaled devotion to Jesus is achieved by being daily reminded of His love for you. I want you to think about that. We often focus on our love for the Lord that is deficient, right? That falls short. If you are going to really, really, really love your spouse, it's going to be out of the abundance of your understanding of God's love for you in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is where our identity is connected to that, right? We are in Christ because He has poured His love upon us. And now our greatest identity is is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And to the extent that you understand daily the love of God shown to you in Christ Jesus at the foot of the cross, you will out of the overflow of that understanding be able to pour out your love onto your spouse. You see why devotion to Christ is so important? And it's the greatest thing that we can pursue in our marriages? And listen, if you're here tonight, I've said this so many times. If you're here tonight and you are not a Christian, I want you to know that this is not a coincidence that you're here tonight. This is what I call God's providence here. Where you are here, not of coincidence. It's not a surprise. You are here for a reason to hear this message and to be encouraged and even to be around others who don't have perfect marriages. People who are here who are believers. It's all by grace, whatever you see, that is good. Amen? Christians who are here. But you are not here by coincidence. You need to understand yourself also God's immense love for you in Christ. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. What's His name? The Lord Jesus. So that... Why did God give His Son? So that whosoever... Whosoever believes in Him, will not perish, but have everlasting life. The Lord Jesus Christ is God's greatest gift to humanity. God's greatest gift to you. You know who He is? He's both God and man. He's the God-man. He is the one who lived the perfect, sinless life that you should live and I should live, but cannot. He lived the perfect, sinless life that God requires of every single one of us, but we all fall short of the glory of God. He is the God-man who died on the cross to pay for sin. He is the God-man who rose from the dead, conquering our great enemies of sin and death. This is the love of God manifested in Jesus Christ. The greatest gift, the good news that we call the Gospel. It's the greatest message of hope. There is no other message of hope to a dying, lost world that's spiraling downward worse and worse if you just look at what's going on in our culture. Amen? Only Christ can save. And so may I lovingly encourage you to surrender your life to Christ tonight. Turn from your sins. Put your confidence and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. That you may have hope and forgiveness of sins and be reconciled to your Maker. He created you for Himself for His glory. And it's only through faith in Jesus that you can actually flesh out and begin to live out that purpose for which He created you. And why is this important for your marriage? That you give your life to Christ. Because of this. It's from your understanding of this love and your submission to Christ as Lord and as boss of your life that your marriage will either just survive in this world or joyfully thrive. That's why this is Important, so commit your life to Christ. Wait no longer. If this is you tonight, talk to someone after. Come and talk to me afterward. I I would love, my wife and I would love to talk to you, or one of the pastors, one of the elders, or a Christian who is here. Talk to them about a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And for those of us, brethren, who are Christians, how about it tonight? Can it be said of you that you have lost your first love? Not in a saving way. We understand that if you're saved, right? Once saved, always saved, if you're truly saved. Because you're protected by the power of God for your salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, right? We understand that. But when we speak of losing your first love, it's that you have misplaced priorities. You're not passionately pursuing Jesus from the heart as you should, and you know it. And it's impacting your marriage. It's impacting your relationships. Because again, everything flows from and is fueled by that relationship with the Lord Jesus. Not only your marriage, but all relationships in the church. So how about it? Have you grown cold and indifferent or callous in your relationship with Jesus? If so, return to your first love. This is where, as our theme says, lasting marriages begin and continue, right? We are devoted to Jesus and Jesus alone. Return to Him. Draw near to Him. And you know what's so wonderful about the Gospel, even as believers? That there's always hope for forgiveness and renewal at the foot of the cross. Amen? We don't cease to confess our sins because we are saved and secure now. Rather, we confess our sins as believers. 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, because we know that the answer will always be what? Yes in Christ. That's amazing. So there's always renewal. And hope even for our marriages. The pathway to Christ-exalting change and renewal is humble repentance. Think about that. The pathway to Christ-exalting change in your life from the heart and renewal is humble repentance. So there's always hope. Return to the lover of your soul. Come to Him. Get back to the basics of cultivating that singular, undivided, unrivaled relationship with, with Jesus because the joy of your marriage depends upon it. Amen? I'm going to pray for us and then my brother Bill will come up. Father, thank you. Thank you for a night of celebration. Celebrating your goodness in so many marriages in this auditorium. Father, the positives as well as the struggles over the years. Oh Lord, if we had days for each of us as couples to get up and bear witness to the struggles over the years, even in strong marriages. Father, all we could do is just give praise to You that You have been faithful to us. Thank You, Lord. Father, I pray for even those who are hurting here tonight in their marriage. Father, I pray that tonight would be the day of renewal. That tonight would be the day when couples would even stop looking at each other and pointing fingers, but begin to look in the mirror. The mirror of Your Word. And ask, what can I do? What can I do before You, Lord? To be different. To honor Christ in my life. Father, we pray also for those who are here who don't know You. And they know it. Or maybe some who are deceived into thinking that they have a relationship with You, but there's no spiritual fruit in their lives. Lord, I pray that today would be the day of repentance. That today would be the day of recognition that there is a God who has loved this world and sent Jesus into the world to die for sinners such as us. Father, I pray that tonight would be the day of of renewal. Lord, even in relationships, in our marriages, unforgiveness, that that would be confessed. That Lord, destructive sins would be confessed and turned from. Things that we're seeking after that we know will never satisfy us. May Jesus and Jesus alone be enough. May we be able to say that Jesus is enough for Your glory, by Your grace, and for the good of our precious spouse, we pray in Jesus' name, Amen.